Hello, and welcome to Breast Cancer Conversations, a podcast brought to you by survivingbreastcancer.org. I'm Laura Carfing, breast cancer survivor and founder of survivingbreastcancer.org, a nonprofit organization providing community, education, and resources to empower those diagnosed with breast cancer and their caregivers from day one and beyond. Welcome back, everyone. It is so nice to be speaking with you this morning. I am so excited to have Jennifer Wallace on the podcast today. Jennifer Wallace is stage three HER2 positive breast cancer thriver. And while we talk a little bit about her diagnosis, what I'm really excited about is her experience talking about a somatic practice, talking about grief and meditation, how we can heal and find inner peace. Now, her and I both are several years out from our initial diagnosis, and I will tell you, we are still healing. I have PTSD. I might have some fear of her, like irrational fear of machinery. Um, I might not recognize myself. I don't even, it's a massive wake up call. So your whole life has shifted and you almost cannot go back to what I'm, I could not go back to where I came from. Healing doesn't just happen overnight. It doesn't happen after your last infusion, after your last radiation treatment, or even a year out when you celebrate one year of progression-free survival or no evidence of disease. It is a process and something even four years later, I'm still learning how to do. Somewhere in your body, you are holding on to things. And your body, if you just sit and listen to it and ask it, it will give you the answers. We have so much to talk about today, so let's dive right in. Welcome to the conversation. You were diagnosed at 37. Mm -hmm. Sounded unexpected when you found your own lump. It absolutely was. I came home from work one evening and I don't know for what reason, but when I took my bra off, I uh, felt my breasts and I found a nine centimeter tumor in my right breast. Wow. And were you doing self breast exams prior to? No, I was not. I, I wasn't. And I was single. I was not sexually active. Um, and I wasn't having mammograms either because I was under 40 and there's no breast cancer in my family. So I, yeah, mm-mm. I know. I feel like I, I mean, I wasn't really doing self breast exams either. I didn't really know much about it. I, I hear that people have breast cancer, but I didn't even know the difference between a lumpectomy or a mastectomy. These were just like not part of my vocabulary. And me too. My primary care would do when I go in just once a year for my checkup, she would kind of do the self breast exam and fill around. And that was, that was really all I did. Me too. Me too. That was it. I just relied on my, um, OBGYN to do that exam once a year. And, uh, that's why we think it, w- it was, it was hard to tell, right. If it had been growing inside, how quickly did it form? Cause I was stage three, her two positive. And you know how they measure your clock, like a breast mm-hmm. or breast, like a clock. Sorry. Um, at three o'clock, mine felt like my elbow. Okay. I mean, the, the lump was just like, right on the edge of my areola, just wow. hard. You could knock on it. Yeah. It was so scary. it felt like, you know, if you put your hand at the bottom mm-hmm. of your elbow, I thought that was a great analogy where, you know, people say it feels like a pea or a hard rock. The elbow is a good one. I also heard sometimes like the tip of your nose, like could feel a little bit like depending oh. on different textures and everything too, depending on how That's hard it is. That's a good one. 
Yeah. yeah, that's a good one. I never thought of that. So when we're educating people, right, of like, okay, we do self-exams. What is it supposed mm-hmm. to feel like? I hear also from other women, you know, sometimes our breasts are lumpy or things don't always feel normal and it's hard to detect. So it's nice to have different um, ideas and imagery of what the lump could potentially feel like. Yeah. Yes. And what I learned was that I don't have very dense breasts along this path, you know, so it was... um I mean, it was, it was there. You could, you could really feel it. Wow. And nine centimeters is significant. Did it seem like it just showed up one day? Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yes, that's, yeah. It was just like, Hey, <laughs> I know. But- and I, and I just knew. Yeah. Did you, knew. did you Google or how did you know? Like what, what was your immediate thought? You took off your bra, you felt this lump and mm-hmm. what was going through I your just, head? It was a Saturday evening and, um, I just thought, oh my God, this is it. Holy cow. And then you have these, you, ha- you can't let your mind go too many places, but I was at my doctor first thing on Monday morning to have the exam, but you know, there's just moments in your life when things, life comes knocking at your door and gives you a check and you know, you just know it just, you just. Right. You almost get in like survival mode right away. Like you don't have time to process what is happening, except I'm going to call my doctors. We're going to get this figured out. We're going to take action. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah, totally. And sometimes it's when that treatment ends. I know we want to talk a little bit about like survivorship or life after your diagnosis, but that's really when it hit me that I actually had cancer. I was in this like 18 month of like fight or flight mode of just getting through it. And then when it ended, I was like, whoa, I just went through something incredibly significant (laughs) trauma. Like it's crazy. And I'm still recovering from it. Um, Mm -hmm. Recovery is just a totally different situation because then you're like, whoa, I have PTSD. I might have some fear of like irrational fear of machinery. Um, I might not recognize myself. I don't even, it's a massive wake up call. So your whole life has shifted and you almost cannot go back to what I'm, I could not go back to where I came from. I'll only speak for myself, but it was like, no, well, you need a new life now. How do we go from like zero and nothing to stage three? right? Like there were no other symptoms or anything else that kind of showed we weren't getting regular screenings or mammograms because of our age, if there's no family history, et cetera. And so it still just baffles me to hear these stories of women where, you know, we want to do a lot of advocacy work because there's so many, I think it's about 11% of those diagnosed with breast cancer are under the age of 40 right now. So it is wild. We mm-hmm. are just getting younger and younger. I've been in the doctor's office before and my, <clears throat> my oncologist has brought me in to speak with a woman who's had my diagnosis. And this lady's been 26, Wow, 26. This is, this is for me, I really feel like, okay, so HER2 is a protein gene that we carry in our hearts, men and women. That gene goes mutant out of a toxic environment. Mm. I mean, I've, I can't tell you how many times I've had to let that sentence resonate with me. And when I think about, do I want to drink alcohol? Do I want to eat that? Do I want to do this, perform it, think like this? Like, I believe that, you know, a dysregulated nervous system led to my diagnosis. I believe I was on a 
I was really eating and drinking a really inflammatory kind of diet to my system. And I, I do believe that that toxic environment, my environment was, that was a huge wake up call for me to change everything I was doing. Yeah. Tell me a little bit more about that. Like life before cancer. Um, you know, I know we never want to place blame on ourselves in terms of why <laughs> we know. are getting the certain diagnoses that we've been given. I also caution too when, you know, talking to other people, when I expressed that I had breast cancer, I was a pretty strict vegan. And even talking to other women, their immediate reaction was, well, you must have been having like too much soy in your diet. Or they're trying to pinpoint what it was that I did, quote unquote, wrong to ensure that they don't do that too, which is this really interesting like relationship with, you know, friends, family, like anyone who wants to talk to you about it. And you bring up some really great points about, you know, that inflammatory foods, alcohol, but uh, I would love to kind of dive a little bit more about as you're kind of reflecting on the life before cancer. You know, I lived for years thinking that I was healthy. I was, and that I was happy. Um, There was even a couple of years where I was a vegetarian and, but I drank alcohol was a pretty, was a definite thread throughout my life, whether that was wine or bourbon or just whatever. And I didn't have like an addiction to alcohol, but I just knew how to drink and have fun and be social. Um, and I I've always had really great friendships. And so I've had solid friends and people around me for a long time. Um, I work at a really nice, I worked for a really nice wine bar here in Austin that's family owned and locally owned and I'm supported by a great community. So when I got the diagnosis on that front, I was super good, but I was just also, you know, not, listening really to the anxiety that I was living with, to the way that I was like, not very grounded and not having a great relationship to source and God and really like exercising that tool. And so I was pretty disconnected um, on some levels, on a lot of levels, actually. Yeah. And and when did this reflection happen? Was that shortly after your diagnosis or years after your diagnosis as you're trying to connect the dots? Mm-hmm. It's really come through recovery. You know, it really came through recovery and me having to take a harder look at my life and everything, mind, body, soul, like how am I thinking and rewiring some of those beliefs and fears that hold me back and just do really doing the work really turning inside and doing the work. You have such an interesting experience kind of combining the naturopath medicine and complementary integrative care with your more Western medicine approach. I was reading the list of chemotherapy drugs that you were on were very similar in that, in that alphabet soup of being given, you know, the six, six different drugs plus a year of Herceptin to really fight the cancer. And I'm, yeah. They really take you to the edge in some cases. I mean, he told me, my oncologist said, you know, we're going to take you, get ready. This is going to be challenging because when I went to him, he was the fourth doctor that I'd seen. And I really encourage people to find the doctors that you can really connect with because it's important that you do that. So he was, I'd seen breast specialists and I finally found him and I had had these 
very romantic, grandiose ideas that I was going to do it naturally. It was October. I didn't have any insurance. And I was like, just give me until January. Let me see what I can do. I'm just armed with all these books and knowledge. And um, in January, if I haven't done a good job, I'll do everything you tell me to, but just give me the chance. And he said, I, I really, I love, I love your enthusiasm, but um, you won't make it, Jennifer. You'll be dead by January. You don't have that kind of cancer. Wow. Because it was stage three and her T positive mm-hmm. and incredibly aggressive. Incredibly aggressive. Yeah. So it was port the next week. Um, I actually was working with a naturopath though, before I found my oncologist and he specialized in cancer. So he was, um, he really knew about like the cell inhibitors and how it all kind of worked. And he put me on a ton of things. I don't even know what they all were. Um, and so I got found my oncologist, got my port and I was in chemo the next week Wow! and, you know, lost my hair all the kind of normal things. But then I found another found a foundation called the Madari foundation. And, uh, they worked with me. They had all the access to anything. My doctors did pathology, blood work. And so any scans and gave me tonics and teas and things to really help my internal system be able to balance with, you know, it's heavy, this stuff is so heavy. And I don't know if you experience, started to experience like low back pain, but the low back pain was actually my kidneys just, mm. man, just getting beat up by all of it. So there was a special tea blend that they gave me that I was just able to buy uh, separately at a tea shop here in Austin. And it relieves my uh, low back pain. Herceptin responds very well to olives and olive oil. So if you add that into your diet, it makes Herceptin stronger is what they told me. So if I couldn't do anything on any given day, it was at least a tablespoon of olive oil and some water because there, you know, there's some days you just can't, can't completely. Yeah. You just can't do it. (laughs) There were days from the bed to the couch, back to the bed. Like that Mm -hmm. was my day. And yeah, you you barely go to the bathroom because like you can't even get the water down anymore. That was hard. The fatigue and exhaustion is real. Mm -hmm. It's real. What other? It's real for a long time. Absolutely. No, I'm curious to know more um, about your experience with the naturopath as well. That is something that I'm curious and to learn more about personally. And I'm I'm trying to figure out also financially how to make it happen. But now that I've gone through all of the chemotherapies, my body is still recovering. I feel like I am incredibly toxic. I have put on so much chemotherapy weight from the steroids that I'm on. I'm still, I've started taking um, letrozole, which is one of the aromatase inhibitors for ER positive breast cancer. And so it forced me into menopause. I'm concerned about my bone health. I'm concerned about just like everything that kind of comes with like the aftermath of a diagnosis. And I think Mm -hmm. having that integrative care working with supplements, working with different teas and things that are natural to kind of get my body back to, to use your words, like a place that I recognize myself in. Yes. Yes. Um, so I think it's really important to add lymphatic, uh, lymphatic drainage massage. If you can into, you don't even have to go to a practitioner. If you get a dry body brush, you know, those giant long brushes, you can just massage, 
your lymphatic drainage system, you can easily palpate it even with your fingers here. And you don't want to go to a, like a 10 intensity. We're talking about like a level three, right? Mm -hmm. Also cold showers are very good. Even if you can do cold oscillating into warm for like 10 and 15 seconds, just enough to like, okay, let this clean my lymph system. It just really helps get things going. Um, and then for getting back to get to know yourself, one thing is really important. I would say have a photo shoot so that you know what you look like now. If you might be like me, there are tons of photos around your house that show another lady. It's not even a lady that mentally sometimes I connect with. I look at her and I'm like, wow, she's so different from who I am right now. And so I think looking at yourself feels really good. And then I think embodiment practices, somatic practices where you're doing somatic healing of the body. Um, you can really start to feel where you might be holding on to things and move that through the body. Um, I also really like to have a grief practice. Every morning after I pray, I, for 30 seconds, grieve. Mm. A lot of times I grieve that young lady who got breast cancer, the person I was before I got breast cancer, and just apologize to myself and be easier to myself. You know, it's really, you have to be easier to yourself, you know, and, um, food and diet, water is everything. As you mentioned Mm -hmm. with supplements, you need supplements. We, our food is not going to give you what you need in our, yeah. I'm with you. Absolutely. And it's Mm -hmm. finding that right, it's finding that right combination too of foods that work for you. And absolutely. I went from being a vegan pre-diagnosis to so angry that this lifestyle I was living failed me. There was a lot of anger around that piece. Um, My boyfriend was a vegan. He has like tipped the scale. He's like eating meat, hamburger, steak, everything right now. It's kind of funny, but I'm still now trying to figure out what is this new life of mine? What does that mean? Am I going to be incorporating more dairy now that I'm concerned about osteoporosis and needing to get different um, sources of calcium outside of just like the green leafy vegetables? I'm trying to figure out now that I've had breast surgery, the yoga practice that I was really good at has taken a toll because I can't do those like chaturanga push-ups and the whole chest area is it's become almost like a trigger point where this thing that I used to love to do is now reminding me of all the things that I've lost. And I think having that grief practice, I'm going to practice, I'm going to incorporate that. That's such a great idea to just acknowledge what we can and cannot do and come to peace with new activities. And maybe it was not the high intensity vinyasa flow I used to be great at. And now it's more of a meditative sitting practice and breathing practice mm-hmm. and healing that way. You yes. you too have experience with yoga. You're a yoga practitioner teacher as well. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I found when I was going back to um, working out, you know, same thing, you know, I couldn't, I can open my arm, you know, I used to be able to lay both arms down and twist at the end. No, now it was like elbow in, just let it open yeah. slowly, slowly, slowly. And it took years to get some of that back. But 
Um, also weight training in any form is very important for your bones. You know, it's important and, and to stay away from uh, commercialized dairy is, mm-hmm. is important too. Um, but one thing too, I want to teach you something. This will help to uh, stimulate your parasympathetic nervous system and calm you down when you get into a kind of a state where you just need to sit and breathe. So just sit up nice and straight for just a minute. And everyone can do this. This is for all of us. And this stimulates your vagus nerve, which I'll explain after this. So just take an inhale and exhale and just let everything out. Right? Okay. Now I want you to take your tongue and we're going to do tongue circles, three big tongue circles in each direction. And every time you circle your tongue, I want you to don't forget to breathe in your belly. Think about just let your navel relax, let your body relax. We're breathing into the navel and we're going to take the tongue to the front teeth and do big circle. All around the front of the teeth. Just think about washing the whole mouth. Try and reach further with each circle. That's exactly where the last one. Don't forget to breathe. And now we'll change direction, three circles. There you go. Think about really reaching back and just washing the teeth over with the tongue. Yes, last one. Okay, relax. Breathe deeply into the belly through the nose. That is just a really simple thing I do even before I meditate. You can also hold the tongue fully to the roof of the mouth for five seconds. It's just a nice way. It, Like I said, it kicks your parasympathetic nervous system in, that resting system, and you just relax. I don't think I've ever done that. I feel like my mm-hmm. jaw, my tongue, like that was a nice exercise. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good. Good. And I feel like, um, and vagus nerve simulation, just getting back to connecting with ourselves. Trauma has a way in the brain of kind of re-scrambling. And so when you've been through something traumatic, such as treatment and r- really many things, it can kind of separate you a little bit, right? It just kind of, it, that's why the identity thing I think is so, was that big for you? That was big for me when I was coming back with, I never looked like this. I look at pictures of the past and I, I miss that woman. I miss that, that body. I miss that joy to be that I had. And I'm still struggling with that. How can we turn inwards and do some of that, you know, healing process from within? I think you mentioned earlier, what was it? The somatic practice? Mm -hmm. Somatic practices. Somatic means of the body. So when you do a somatic meditation, and I mean, we're talking about, like I said, go as far as intensity level, really only starting with, you know, something that might've annoyed you earlier in the day, right? Not that major. That way you're kind of working it out, working it up because somewhere in your body, you are holding on to things and your body. If you just sit and listen to it and ask it, it will give you the answers. It's particularly, I find just place your hand on your heart 
take a moment to just take a breath and be silent and just say, what do you need from me? Where, where are you hurting? Where can you feel this? Sometimes you'll find that you might, it might be in the back of your calf or in your shoulder or in your neck, or maybe you're finding tension in, in your head or, you know, and as far as those, that drill that we just did, there are several drills that I have learned that we, it's one of the things that I teach. Um, it's the applied neurology. It's just training to be more resilient in the way you handle stress and getting back that connection that we've lost by connecting our body. I love the idea of doing a, a photo shoot. Like, yes, get those pictures of what we are now mm-hmm. around the house and, yes. and start loving that person that you're becoming. Mm-hmm. Yes. And look at her, honor her because you have been through a lot. Yes. We've been through a lot and it's, it's amazing. You know, it's really a, a positive inconvenience in the, in the end of it, you know, it's like, but we can heal. Healing is possible. Change is possible. Reconnection is possible. You know, we can do it. I will help. I will help you. You know, a lot of people ask me, when am I going to feel normal again? And I think what I'm hearing in this conversation is that that too is a journey. There isn't going to be a date where one year post-treatment, you're going to feel like yourself again. I just celebrated four years of my since my own diagnosis. I know you're a couple years out as well. And here we are having this great conversation awesome. about healing. And we're still in that process of you know, acceptance and apology and grief. And it's a daily practice, I think. You mentioned earlier in the podcast having a little bit of anxiety around machinery. I know that this sounded like some anxiety that bubbled up when you were going through radiation. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Mm-hmm. Yes, radiation, man. That was that was hard. That was so hard laying on that table sometimes. And you know, it's just like moving around you. The first time I went to the dentist you know, they've got the things right in your mouth. And it's like, all of a sudden, here comes this real thing going around my face. And I was oh, like, geez. oh, my God. Oh, my God. It was like Terminator at the dentist. I don't know. I really had a, a massive panic attack at the dentist. I mean, by the time she got back, I was just like, oh, I, that's you know, so at funny. that time, I wasn't doing applied neurology. I wasn't meditating yet. I was still just like kind of relying on my Xanax prescription or, you know, yes. I, 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 and I thought, God, I should have taken something. I didn't think this was going to happen. Oh my God. It happens out of nowhere. Out of the blue. And it's so funny that you mentioned mm-hmm. the dentist too. I had a breakdown of the dentist also. Um, so for <laughs> anyone listening, watch out next time you go to the dentist. Um, <laughs> But they were do some breathing. Oh my gosh. I had no idea, right? Because you're like, this is a different type of doctor. I'm not going to my like, Mm -hmm. you know, infusion chair. I'm just getting my teeth (laughs) cleaned. And I, you know, was, I think they were trying to tell me that I had like some issues, potentially a cavity, like something was going on. And I just lost it. I was like, one more health issue that just came out of nowhere. The poor, um, Mm -hmm. like it wasn't the dentist, like the, tech person like the poor tech person was like oh my god I didn't need to deliver like the worst news ever I just start bawling and crying and I'm like Mm -hmm. I just can't believe I have a cavity and it's like one thing after another it had nothing to do with the cavity it had everything to do with the lead up 
to what is going on with my body and mm-hmm. all of this. But oh God, I, she probably went home that day. And was like my this poor patient of mine. <laughs> mine too. <laughs> mine too. Mine too. It's so it's funny, but yeah, it's very scary. And when it comes on, it's just like yeah. <sighs> And you mentioned too the chemo induced menopause. I mean, the anxiety that comes along with that too is just, I mean, really? Like, why? And then eventually, we might, I mean, my body has never really regulated itself back. And in, in fact, some, I, this whole year, I went from Christmas, I had a period at Christmas, and then I went all the way until September. And boom, I'm like, really? So it's just never, that was hard. That chemo induced menopause was hard, hard, hard. Absolutely. Now, are you taking any uh, medications now for now? No. Just supplements in your practice and meditation? Yeah. Excellent. Yes. And looking and feeling great, which is amazing. (laughs) Yeah, I feel really good. I feel different and better than I've really felt in a long time, in a long time. I'm really, I've always loved just learning. And I, I got my yoga uh, uh, certification before I was diagnosed. And then I, um, I got into Pilates was part of my healing journey. And Pilates is a really deep look at anatomy. Mm -hmm. And through there, I found Z health, which is the applied neurology. And instead of using that for better performance in athletics, I'm using it for better performance through behavioral change and just kind of in your life. Um, yeah, it's really interesting. Um, gaze fixations and your ability to hold a gaze without the eyes going staccata is like, think about even just like reading and being able to retain that paragraph, that book, that, that magazine. A lot of people don't even read these days are, are audible and and stuff. Uh, and nothing against it. I'm totally an audible, uh, use of myself. (laughs) I love it actually for my driving. Um, but also those unfinished DIY projects that gaze fixation lives in the same part of your brain as commitment and follow through, which all of those fall into. So by training your eyes, which is like the largest stimulus to your brain through your central nervous system, we can improve so many things. I mean, just so many things. And so the Z health has helped me a lot. And then, uh, Paul check, if anyone out there is familiar with him, he is just extraordinary. I mean, he is a wealth of information. His YouTube channel will give you tons of information. And so I went on to learn under him for my holistic lifestyle coaching, because I just feel like he really embodies mind, body, soul, unlike any other practitioner, really. And he's been at it in the game for so long. So now you're working with clients and helping them with some of these Mm -hmm. behavioral changes and self-discovery. Yes. I don't strictly work with breast cancer survivors, but I really like to be on the other side of women's healing because it's something that I can so deeply connect with. So, you know, I just get it or I've seen it or worked with, you know, I am, I volunteer here with a group. And so I try and stay connected. Like breast cancer Mm -hmm. was that catalyst to get us here. And there is so much more work and information and sharing and knowledge that can go beyond just the breast cancer, but the ovarian cancer, women's health, even, um, you know, talking about pregnancy or the grief that we have through miscarriage. Like there is so much as women that we carry that we don't really acknowledge and talk about, and we need to create that space. And yeah, like the life after diagnosis is like the trajectory to empowerment. I don't know 
know, like when you're when you're faced with your own mortality, you're like, life is short. Let's just make a difference. I could not agree with you more. Everything you just said, a hundred percent. We just we need to share and talk and connect and feel like you know your voice is important. It's it's important that you find another lady. It's one thing about survivors too. There is always a group near you, yeah. even on if you got on your Facebook page and you know there is someone and we love to help other people because there's also too, I don't know if you felt like this, but there's also some survivor's guilt that can sometimes creep up on you. Mm. And you do, I have found that as even as I have given back in the past uh, few years going back, it gets easier and easier for me. But in the beginning, it was really hard to stay connected. I think survivor's guilt is a term that Yes, let's talk about that. How how do you define survivor's guilt? You just wonder how did you make it through this? It's hard. Yeah. You know, it's tough. And um you there's no difference between us, between you and me. There's there's nothing. We're the same. We have we there's no soul on this earth that has come here that is greater than yours. And there's not one that's lesser than yours. We are equal and mm. our bodies are so different and the, but it's just the way that we respond. And so, and also being an empath too, and you've been through it. So you're compassionate to the other person and you're just like, you know, there's that moment where you really have to say thank you and, and pray for that, pray for this community because we are, mm. We're, we're under, we're under threat, you know, our stresses, our, our threat responses, our food, our bodies, you know, I learned under Paul check, there's 19 different types of stomachs. They're mm. not talking to us about that. And the, my doctor wasn't speaking to me, my oncologist, I would ask her about my diet, but she didn't, she wasn't interested in speaking to that with me. That's why I had to seek outside information and to work with other people and, and, and to just know that I, I need to support my body. Right. You know, it's, right. but Did I don't know why. I don't know. Yeah. I hate it though. I just wish we could make some changes. I don't know. How. Did you end up seeing a nutritionist or how did you learn about the inflammatory foods and how your body was responding to them? What I did was I started reading, um, Eat Right for Your Blood Type. Dr. Peter Dadamo wrote that book. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but what I did was look, I'm a look at my blood type. And what they do in the book is they list every single food, protein, dairy, seeds, nuts, oils, everything, and to beneficial, neutral, or um, avoid. And what I found was as I looked at the list, I ate off that avoid list when I was a carnivore. When I was a vegetarian, mm-hmm. I ate off that avoid list. And so what I did was I promised myself 90 days on just the beneficial list and the things that I thought I was going to absolutely not be able to live without, I would put them back into my diet and see how my body responded. I mean, I just had no idea over the years that I was even bloated. Yeah. I, I didn't know what that felt like until I wasn't. And I didn't know what inflammation was until I ate something. And now I'm just like, now I can mostly eat something and I will punish myself sometimes. I love French fries. Oh yeah. (laughs) I can't help it. I am going to have, I need at least to have a few. Um, So I haven't conquered it entirely, but you know, I've just learned what it feels like to have an inflammatory response in my body. 
and listen to those foods. I feel like we're just scratching the surface of everything. I feel like we are too. I'm ready to just grab my, make a cup of tea and yes. sit down with you for another hour. Um, I would love to work with you. I would love to work with any, any, anyone. So please, um, you'll find me on social media. My, um, my, uh, thing is at illuminated with Jennifer Wallace. And then my email address or my webpage is illuminatedwithjenniferwallace.com. And there's several ways that you can get in touch with me. I actually have a call to action on my webpage to share your story. Hmm. Just getting back to what you said earlier about sharing these threads, the threats that we have all shared too, because as women, we've been through a lot more than just breast cancer survivor. I mean, a lot of gender discrimination. Oh my gosh, yeah. I mean, assault, sexual abuse, trauma. I mean, it just, and so you can share that with me anonymously or with your name. I would love to hear your story. I would love to hear from all of you. And um, you can also find links there to work with me. I work with people one-on-one or I have a three-month program called Awaken where we really dive into your nutrition, your movement. I give you drills that really help you every morning reattach. It's a lot of like applied neurology is like lifting weights for your central nervous system. Mm. We train it. And every time you train it, you can deal with things easily. Stress is more easy. It's more resilient, your central nervous system. And so that your threat bucket just isn't so big all the time. And it's like, I can handle this. Yeah. Exactly. Because I mean, we, you can. We've handled cancer, so bring it, world. Uh, yes, got this. <laughs> yes. You have totally got this. Healing is possible, definitely. You are like my new best friend. Jennifer, thank you so much for being on the podcast today and teaching us so much. I cannot wait to incorporate some of these great healing practices into my own aftermath of a breast cancer diagnosis. Thank you again. Thank you for tuning in and listening to our podcast. If you would like to find out more about our organization and upcoming events and ways to connect, You can find out more by visiting our website at survivingbreastcancer.org. I would like to acknowledge that all of the information on our podcast is from personal experiences, and it is not a substitute for professional medical advice. You should always consult your medical care team. If you're looking for specific topics or would like to be a guest on our show, feel free to contact me directly at laura at survivingbreastcancer.org. And of course, we have a couple social media handles you can follow us at as well. For example, survivingbreastcancer.org, all one word, as well as our podcast specifically, Breast Cancer Conversations. Until next time, keep on thriving.